Welcome to Play Paul's Turn. In this podcast, we discuss all things to do with TV, films, games and literature. We give our thoughts on the media we've been enjoying, old or new, and comment on anything topical. Hi, I'm John, and again, I'm joined by Alex. Hello, Alex. How are you? Hello, John. Yes, I'm well, thank you. I am enjoying the British summer. Yeah, we, we talk about weather a lot on this podcast because whenever we're recording, we can look out of our windows. At the moment, it's grim again. Uh, what is it now? It's August now. We're recording this in August. That's um, right. I'm planning to go planning to go abroad this week um, to try and escape the British weather. Um, meanwhile, I have a family relative who um, is currently has been at the Korean Jamboree. Lovely. Um, pay pay three and a half grand to go there and. The heat and the, the terrible sanitary conditions, they've all had to leave, and now there's some tropical storm arriving. So oh, no. okay. I think everyone else is leaving. I don't think we're as bad as them, um, <laughs> but I do wish I could sit in the garden and drink a beer and enjoy it, because it's not been like that, has it, really? It's been wet as... Not really, um, no. I think rain has just finished where I am. But, um, yeah, so... Yeah. But, but, but it might be wet and rainy here, but somewhere else it's bright and shiny. Oh, yes. Um, and, that, and that is in Barbie land. And we're going to be talking about... Two films today. Now, yes, you've guessed it. Um, Barbie and Oppenheimer, or the Barbenheimer phenomenon, which we're going to talk about as well. Um, we're going to be starting off with our general thoughts, as always, for both films. Uh, then giving everyone a spoiler warning uh, and moving into a bit more sort of the, um, the fine detail. Uh, we've both seen both, obviously. Um, if you haven't seen either of them, I'd wait and, and then come back to the podcast. Um, so before we do go into the details, um, Alex... What are your thoughts on, or your general first impressions on Barbenheimer? Which which order did you see them in? Oh, I Oppenbead. I think that's how you say it. Which is doing what? Oppenheimer Oppen first. Bead. Yeah, Oppenheimer <laughs> first, <laughs> and then Barbie afterwards. Oppenbead sounds um, weird. It, it does. I don't know if I got it right, yeah. but but it, it, it's it's a it's a weird name. I think I think yeah. um, even Barbenheimer is is really. Not right either, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna well, go phonetically it matches Oppenheimer, doesn't it? I suppose it does. Yeah, okay. What about you? Okay, Which yeah, order so did you do? I I watched it in the Barbenheimer order, so I watched Barbie first, then Oppenheimer. But I had um, about a week between them. Rather, did you you didn't do them back to back, did you? Not back to back, but I did. Um, I did uh, Oppenheimer on Saturday, and then Sunday yeah. I did Barbie because I needed something to lighten my mood. Okay, I think I think I think I think that is still back to back, you know. Over, it's overnight, close. it was close. close. Yeah, yeah. I, I I meant to go and see Oppenheimer, but I forgot, and that's terrible. So I had to go, I had to rebook it because um, <laughs> I'm getting old. Okay, so we've both seen it in different. That's quite interesting to have it in different order, in different orders. Um, yes. You know, different arrangements. So, your thoughts uh, on I suppose on Oppenheimer first, just general thoughts. Um. So I didn't really know what to expect. Um, well, that's not true. I knew what to expect because I saw the trailers. Um, I knew that it was done by Christopher Nolan. I think I could see the stars and and the the they they've got a, a, a stellar cast. In fact, there's stellar cast in both of them. Um, yeah. And because it was Christopher Nolan, I knew it would be good. But it wasn't a topic that I really wanted to delve into. So I went in a little bit sort of not sceptical, but just like I needed to be convinced. I needed to, to, to be won over. Um, and and I, I, I think that's a bit of a challenge when you, you, you're delving into something really dark like the um, 
like the development of the atom bomb. It's like you, you kind of, I, I don't think it's like, it's, it's like light watching. Um, and, and I kind of feel like it's, it's almost like you need to have a reason to watch it. So I, for me, I, I was a little con- bit conflicted going into it. Did you did you go and watch it because of the fuss that's been made about the? the so no, I went with a friend. Phenomenon. I went with right. a friend who was really excited about Oppenheimer and couldn't wait for right. it to be out. Um, whereas I was really excited about Barbie and could wait for Barbie to be out. So <laughs> I, I, I I said okay, I'll come and watch it. I'll come and watch it. And then I, the, and then afterwards, I, I said to my. Um, uh, wife, uh, we need to see Barbie. I need something to to to, to offset that. Yeah. Okay. So, so some people have said, don't what don't watch Oppenheimer first. Watch Barbie first, so you can enjoy Barbie. Don't don't be on too much of a downer after Oppenheimer. Um, hmm. I see. So I yeah. watched Oppenheimer first. I um, my degree is in the philosophy of science. Um, I studied the lives and works of people relevant to Oppenheimer, although mm-hmm. I was more on the side of the the um, slightly earlier group of philosophers and scientists were people like Leibniz and Spinoza and Descartes, although right. I did look at um, the Royal Institution um, and looked at people like um, Joseph Priestley, Newton, mm-hmm. uh, Karl Popper as well. So I have, you know, for me there's a... I look more at logic and um, early philosophy rather than metaphysics and physics. But I do find the lives of these people fascinating. Um, I've always found the Manhattan Manhattan Project a a really interesting um, Mm -hmm. area to think about. And, you know, obviously there's been films about that and um, books and comics. There's actually a series of comics called The Manhattan Project, which are really worth reading if you haven't read them. Okay. Um, A very, very... um, well written and kind of um, blow your mind. So th- this this area, I am you know I'm, I'm a scientist and I f- and I, f- I find the whole thing fascinating. But I I don't think um, I I didn't expect going in t- to have too much science. I'm I'm assuming because it's Chris Nolan, it's going to be about the people rather than the science. Mm. Although I find you know, um, so I I went in looking forward to the subject matter. I had actually not I've not Oppenheimer's not a man I've I've studied much. I didn't right. know anything about about his life so for me i was looking forward to being educated as well mm. about mm. it and, and finding out um and I, I do like um the cold war era as well as always you know it was kind of half cold war half 1940s 1950s isn't it but it was a a timeline of events um no so i yeah generally did you enjoy oppenheimer what was it, what were your 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 thoughts so generally it, on the film it was a great film and I, I, I think it was um, very well done. It really shone a light into um, into his his world and and that the, at the time. Um, so I think that was really really good. Um, I, I I was conflicted in parts, and I think that was that kind of took the shine off it a bit. Um, but I think it was I think it was a really good film. So I think it was well worth watching. But I I have issues because of the subject matter rather than the um the okay, film we'll come to that we'll come to that when we can be a bit more um mm. uh, open about the storyline and how about barbie then or barbie as <laughs> <is> your tonic, <laughs> tonic oh, to, to oppenheimer it was lovely um it was so you go to a film you don't you, you know you go to a barbie film you're not expecting to have deep um 
sort of soul searching uh, 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 moments. You're not really looking for like questioning about whether you know the about the patriarchy and 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 uh, you know its role in society. Um, and so I went in with that like this is going to be light. Uh, and I was surprised uh, at how deep and and uh, 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 how much depth there was in the in the um, film. Um, but what I liked about it was that I still left with a smile. And I think for yeah. me, that was the most important thing is that while it covered some super interesting and relevant stuff, um, you know, it, it, it had so much joy in it that you could just take out the from that. So I think that was what yeah. made it for me. I think it has a lot more depth than I expected as well. I mean, I, I, I expected going in for it to be a sort of a funny kind of parody on the, on the, on the mm. subject matter with a bit of, you know, sort of a cartoonish feel to it. But actually, as you say, it was, it was, there was a message there. Yeah. There's, a, there's a message that I think um, a certain um, uh, proportion of society aren't going to enjoy very much. But as they say, you know, people do find it quite hard to have a mirror, a mirror held up in front of their face sometimes mm-hmm. and, and they find that disturbing. But I, I liked what they did with it. I thought it was very clever. I loved all the nods to the history of Barbie. Uh, my, my sister always used to play with Barbie, although I think she was much more of a... What was the other doll? It wasn't Barbie. It was... Um, Cindy? Cindy. I think she was more of a Cindy fan. I think my, my mum was more of a preferred Cindy because Cindy's proportions were a little bit less extreme yes. That's to right. play with. Um but I do remember her having a Barbie. So I, you know, historically, as part of part of our lives, it's you know, it's it's a nostalgia fest. But I thought, as you say, I thought the cast were excellent, and um, I thought it was uh, so wonderfully self-referential. And I think it's quite brave of Mattel to to um, open up some of the the problems associated with Barbie. There was a, there's always been a kind of a Concerned with body dysmorphia with Barbie and the, yes. her proportions and expectations, and I think they did a, did a really good job of that. Mm. Um, and we'll probably dig a bit deeper about how we, how we felt about Barbie. I would say, I, on reflection, yeah, um, Barbie's only an hour shorter than Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer's quite a long film, just over three hours, I think it, it is. is. Yeah, three hours and one minute if you include the credits. Um, but I would say of the two, um, and Barbie's just a little bit shorter than, than two hours, I would probably go and see Barbie again more than I'll go and see Oppenheimer again. Yes. Um, Oppenheimer I really enjoyed. Um, I left feeling outraged about how he was treated. I don't want to say too much more than that. Yes. But obviously it's a historical fact, so we know about that. Um, I think um, Chris Nolan is very good at making uh, beautiful films to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, I again, I don't. This is one of the f- more recent Nolan films where I can mostly hear what everyone was saying, which is always good, and that probably helped because there were less American accents in it, yeah. <laughs> less mumbly accents. But uh, I thought um, Cillian Murphy was excellent, and I think it's probably going to be an Oscar nomination for his his role. Yeah, it's got to be. Um, I had a few concerns as well. I mean, not big enough for me to. to to go out with a billboard, but I, I we'll come to that in our spoiler talk. Mm-hmm. But yes, I think of the two, I think I enjoyed Barbie more. I think I respected what Chris Nolan has done. With, you know, he's put together a good package there. Yes. Does that make sense? Totally. Okay, totally so did. let's go into more detail. If you've not seen either of the films, but you've you've enjoyed our recommendations, um, go and see either of them uh, and come back and listen. So let's do it in uh, reverse then. So Oppenheimer first. Okay. Um, so, 
um, for people who've not who have seen it, but want a reminder of um, the plot or the synopsis. It's um, a story about uh, Oppenheimer's rise from uh, early academia as a student, um, all the way up to him becoming. Um, the inventor, or the, as in the film calls him, the father of the atom bomb, mm. and that's quite that's quite a big step from uh, you know in, in terms of what's what's being told. There's quite a lot of um, time. It's, it's it's a lot. It's a it's a long film um, going to the cinema, but it's, it's long in terms of the, the time actually. It's represented in the story itself. Yes, um, I thought that was actually well dealt with. I think I don't think it was too onerous to. Um, in terms of how the story was spread out, mm-hmm. um, so Oppenheimer he starts doesn't he? Uh, he starts working at uh, the Cavendish Laboratory. I think it was in Cambridge, and he's he's struggling because he's brighter than the students there and the teachers there. I think the opening um, sequence where he's trying to poison his professor by putting some cyanide or something in, in an apple. Yes, was fascinating because it it struck me straight away as, as as a as a storyteller, Chris Nolan's trying to portray a certain persona here. Oppenheimer, I think, what an extreme thing to do at that age. Like he's Very. obviously a guy with what, what's Chris Nolan trying to say here straight away that he's going to take risks for his own ends. I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on this? It, it was initially really it really struck me as would anyone actually do this. Was this actually a true event? I don't know. I it felt um, like he was, and and I think he was trying to portray him as a, um, you know, deeply um, troubled person in yeah. terms in terms of his mental stability at that time, and and maybe how he de- dealt with the situation um, of being at Cambridge. Well, he has his dreams all the time, doesn't he? These dreams yeah. that are troubling him as well, and and so. Um, and so I think I think that's what why what they're trying to portray, um, and it did shock it does shock you so you do kind of end up thinking well what's the the rest of this three hour film going to be like, um, yeah, uh, and then obviously yes he does go and get the you know go and retrieve the apple and and and, and actually I think I think in a way we kind of you know we all we all kind of held our breath a bit when there were there was a moment well, I think- there. He doesn't. He realises that the apple's not going to be eaten by the professor, but given to his horse, and he has a sort of conscience of guilt that he's not out to kill the horse. So, so I don't know if he actually regretted what he was doing. I think he was more like, "Oh my god, I don't want to kill the wrong the wrong creature." I don't know how that how you felt about that. Yeah, um, yeah, and and I think so. I, yeah, so he, I was thinking that the scientist, um, like for a while, I was like, "Oh no, the scientist can't have it," and it just it, I was looking at it quite literally. Um, yeah. And and okay. yeah, I think I think I think really that he, by the time he came back, it was clear that he'd changed his mind. So okay, so he 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 visits um, Niels Bohr, um, mm-hmm. I think that's in Germany, um, and he studies he studies for a while there. I think he completes his PhD there, and whilst he's there, he meets Werner Heisenberg, who's obviously um, you know the father the uh, the originator of Heisenberg's uncertainty principle. Mm-hmm. Um, which is all about being able to track and photograph or uh, atoms in a, in a, in a oh, electrons in an atom. Sorry, I'm getting geeky here now. Um, in <laughs> fact, before the podcast, I started looking through a few of the um, the people in this film and I fell down my sort of philosophy science rabbit hole. 
um, right. but we'll come to that later on. Um, but um, yeah, and, and he he's impressed by Heisenberg, although Heisenberg is a little bit controversial later on in the film, mm. um, because obviously this is back. This this the first part of the film is in the sort of the twenties and thirties. Um, we're moving towards the Second World War here, um, and the threat of sort of the uh, the Reich and all its technologies and the arms race, and the arms race is kind of central to this film, isn't it? Mm. Um, it's we know as children of the eighties what it feels like to live under the um the cloud and i'll say the mushroom cloud of the nuclear bomb um we were around um when reagan was proposing his star wars uh, policies and we um we had various russian presidents um up until um i forgot his name got a really the really nice gorbachev. one that, yeah, that was friends with gorbachev that's it yeah, yeah. Um, but the Cold War, I mean, we basically, I mean, the, the first and only bomb dropped was by the States, and that was obviously Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yes. Uh, which is addressed in the film. There hasn't been no nuclear bombs used in an act of war since then. No. And that's because every country has had their own um, brace of nuclear weapons as a way of um, unilaterally uh, keeping the peace. Um, and we have had nuclear disarmament since then but this film kind of leads up to that whole process um and i think some some of that is uh, i don't know how you felt about this alex is i did feel like oh we're gonna see the bomb being built and they're gonna test it and for me i was quite keen to see the 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 kind of the behind the scenes of the bomb building which was addressed in this but it wasn't the main focus was it no it wasn't it wasn't really the the Yes, there was. Uh, they all had this this shared goal um, of delivering the bombs, but I think um, it wasn't about the bombs themselves. It was it was about the people and and the yeah. journeys they went on to get there, um, and and that that ultimately that's what won me over because um, while I did want to see the bombs um, uh, development, um, that that was the bit that troubled me a bit. You know, the, the with the outcome and stuff. So, um, so I think I think for me it was it was it was quite nice that it focused on people um, and and their interactions uh, and obviously you know I felt like that really helped build 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 your you get you round to Oppenheimer's view and what he was trying to achieve. The film is called Oppenheimer, and I th- I do I do feel like because it was central around him the character himself um, and it talked about his associations with the Communist Party in America, the US mm-hmm. Communist Party, his womanizing. And as yeah. the film went on, you realise more and more, it, again, it doesn't show it, more and more how he was dipping his wick left, right and centre. Oh, yeah. Um, and his relationship with Kitty, his wife, and mm-hmm. with um, Florence Pugh's character, um, which she was called Jean, wasn't she? Jean Tatlock. Oh yeah. Um yeah. his bit on the side essentially. Mm. Um she's an interesting character. Um so, you know, it kind of portrayed Oppenheimer as not entirely blameless in this. Um he was yes. treated badly, I know, but it was it was interesting to show that he was not a squeaky clean character and how he quite often was a bit of a loaded cannon, wasn't he really? He was quite dangerous for his associates and didn't he wasn't very he wasn't very good at politics, was he ironically? No, he also wasn't great at people to an extent. No, <laughs> um, in terms no. of managing people and and 
So you, you did kind of you felt for him in a lot of ways, you know, because of the the task um, and the gravity and all of that. Um, but he didn't endear himself to you just because of his, sort of quite a few of his actions. Um, so it did make it uh, it did make it like troubled. Um, so. He, how did you feel about the structure of the film? Because it, it's presented in an interesting way, isn't it? It's presented in in essentially flashbacks and flash forwards. You, you've got this, um, is it a tribunal of some sort? Yes. It's not, it's not meant to be a tribunal. It's meant to be just a, a happy meeting. But obviously it was a, it was a kangaroo court for Parole Oppenheimer. That's um, right. And that was, uh, as we find out in the film orchestrated by straws and it's, it's his unusual surname um played by um our favorite um iron man robert, robert Downey jr yeah who i thought was really really good in this and and actually his makeup was was interesting because he looked a lot older and gaunter he's obviously lost some weight for this film yes um now i'm i'm trying to remember the name of the character i'm looking it up now in in amadeus um, which is an amazing film. Have you seen Amadeus? I've not. I've not seen it. The uh, you you should watch it. So um, F. Murray Abraham, who's in the more recent series of um, oh right that gaming series. What was it? What's the gaming series called on Apple TV? Oh, um... Um, epic, epic. Oh god, I can't. I have to look that up as well now. Gosh, I'm getting down a rabbit hole. <laughs> um, excellent TV series about game development. Um, Epic oh, Quest, I think it's called something like that. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it is Mythic Quest. Mythic, Mythic Quest. Quest. So he's very good Sorry. in that. He's a writer in that. Um, but F. Murray Abram plays Antonio Salieri in Amadeus, and he's obviously a real character. And Antonio Salieri was Antonio Salieri was a struggling musician who had some talent but wasn't very successful. Who mm. constantly lived in the shadow of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, who um, was his young sixteen-year-old initially. It turned up and was just a musical genius, and spent right. many. The, the film talks about sort of his jealousy of this guy's um, genius and skill, and I felt like um, Strauss um, was kind of the Oppenheimer version of Salieri. He was mm. jealous of his success, jealous of his of his influence, and. Spent a lot of time trying to bring Oppenheimer down, um, and I kind of liked that part of the plot because it was very much a reveal, wasn't it? Over, yes. over time, you know, yeah. More, he started more, off, um, yeah. Started off well, as, as a colleague, and then and then yeah. it, it, it 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 slowly unveiled over the period um, of the film what was ha- what was yeah. happening and why why it was a big deal. And it was presented a lot of that. A lot of it was presented in black and white. Yes. Which is interesting. So you've got the life of Oppenheimer in colour, and then the uh, events. I, don't, I felt a bit confused by this because it wasn't consistent, was it, at times either? I don't know what what the black and white represented. It represented a certain so, amount of a certain meeting, didn't it? Basically. So they were trying to what what they were trying to do was they were trying to show that um, black and white was um, a retelling of the facts. So yeah. so that was that was literally you know what what happened or the meetings that happened um and then the the um color was meant to be from uh oppenheimer's perspective so it was right. meant to be his view of things um uh, somewhat colored um by you know his mental state but uh, and how he felt about things 
Um, sure. But the thing is, like you said, it kind of bled into each other a bit because, you know, some of the, the views were, were, it wasn't literal, it wasn't obvious enough that, that no. we were seeing a skewed version in colour and a literal version in, in black and white. So some, and, and again, because they chopped and changed, it made it hard, quite hard to work out sometimes. So I just, I, it, that, that was an area that kind of was a little bit um, uh, overused. I think if you're more... I mean, you seem to understand more than me about that, but I think if you're more salient with the facts of Oppenheimer's life, maybe that was clearer. Maybe because I was new to this whole story, it was a bit more confusing. Interestingly, yeah. um, obviously, I, I didn't see this uh, in um, IMAX, unfortunately. I'd like to see it in the IMAX format. Oh, right. um, But in the IMAX format, um, because there were black and white sections and they had to be in the IMAX, um, you know, the, the ratio, mm. Kodak had to develop the very, very first ever black and white film stock for IMAX. For ah, this. interesting. I didn't know so that. So that's a new... I presume that'll then be used for future films. Um, Clever. Okay, so um, I was I was impressed with... I thought um, Matt Damon was very good in this, actually. Yes. And he, you can see, he, obviously, Matt Damon's an, old, an older actor now. He's he's getting different roles. I loved him as Doctor Man in Interstellar. That's still my, my favourite Nolan film. Yeah. Um, um, he was interesting. In this he now he was playing. Uh, was it Graves or Groves? I think it's Graves. 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 Lately Groves. Graves. Uh, uh, and he um, he actually was on a break from acting uh, at, the time, at this when this was being filmed. Uh, oh, right. He had made this promise with his wife that he wouldn't do any more filming unless unless Chris Nolan asked him. And of course, when he did, his wife said, "Fine, go and act." So this was kind of a one-off for him recently. <laughs> um, uh, and it was filmed in parts over the pandemic, wasn't it? I mean, it was held back a little mm. bit, I think. Um, mm. So Universal picked this story up um, with Chris Nolan after Chris Nolan fell out with Warner Brothers. Um, and go- going back to the whole Barbenheimer uh, phenomenon, it's it's quite an interesting thing. I find it quite interesting because um, I, I, I don't know if this is true. I don't know what your thoughts on this, but the fact that Warner Brothers put up because but i think barbie is a warner brothers film isn't it um licensed by mattel but it's a warner brothers film and it's interesting how the slot that um you know that 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 kind of in a a slightly less busy time of films being released i mean the Mm. summer blockbusters are the big ones but we've had less films i i I think this this summer than we've ever had um it's interesting how barbie went up against oppenheimer i think what what was meant to happen was that Barbie was meant to foreshadow Chris Nolan. I wonder if Warner Brothers were having a bit of a dig at Chris Nolan about about his past relationship with them. I'm really maybe I'm reading too much into it. I just think it's really hilarious that what was meant to be kind of a uh, you know a plan to oust Oppenheimer has boosted Oppenheimer's figures, but also boosted Barbie's you know viewing figures and viewing and take. I mean, Barbie, how much has Barbie taken now? So um... is it hit a billion yet? Yes, so it's already it's already hit a billion uh, worldwide, wow. um, which is crazy. Um, it's just coming up to half a billion in the US and Canada, which in itself yeah. is insane. Um, and that's off a budget of 145 million. So now wow. they spent 150 million in marketing, but um, but even so, like they are very happy with that response. <laughs> Bet, yeah, I bet um, they are. <laughs> Oppenheimer has actually done pretty well as well. So 
Oppenheimer has done uh, 550 um, uh, billion, uh, sorry, million. So, so it's made half um, a billion as well. Yeah, it's half a billion as well. The budget on that was actually a bit low, lower, so it was 100, uh, 100 million. So actually, mm. uh, probably in terms of profit, uh, uh, yeah, they've made more money on Barbie, but uh, I mean, Oppenheimer's I, not done bad considering. No. I mean, I've tried to get a, I've tried to get a, um, a booking at our local IMAX. I have the mm-hmm. I go to the BFI IMAX in London, and every single Oppenheimer um, performance is sold out for about three or four weeks. Wow! Um, and I think that's I think part of that is that they did market that film as a, as a cinema experience. Mm-hmm. It's not you know it will do well and make money from streaming and and you know download sales, but I think. Chris Nolan's becoming the director known for. You've got to see it in a cinema first. Now I'm, you know, I'm going to yes. try and see uh, his the second part of June at the IMAX um, mm-hmm. because I saw the first one on IMAX and, and I, yes. with, with Bobby actually and loved it. So mm. again, I I like those sort of events now. I think um, I think it's really good now that people are being more convinced to go to the cinema, especially after the mm. pandemic. Um, when I went to Barbie, did you notice this? When I went to Barbie, it was predominantly women, but there were plenty of men there as well with their wives, with their girlfriends, but everybody was wearing pink. I felt like like um, the one not in costume at a, at a Rocky Horror performance. I didn't realise people getting dressed in pink to go to see it. Isn't that lovely? I think that's a really cool thing. That's become like, it, a, like a thing you do. It so was these an event. events where you... Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and that's what people are doing again. And that, I think that's really good because... As much as we do have nice TVs and setups at home, it's what else they can offer at the cinemas. Um, yeah. uh, sadly, uh, my cinema um, showing a Barbie about halfway through. I think they left halfway through. Some teenage boys left and then ran back in, shouting offensive swear words, which is a shame because there were young children, you know, twelve-year-old girls watching it. And I just think, yeah, if you don't like a film, walk away. It's not your bag. Don't come in and yeah, ruin it exactly. for everyone else. Yeah, uh, and there have been some um, upset men about this about Barbie, mm. and we'll come come to that later on. But let's just get back to to Oppenheimer. Uh, I'm jumping yeah. around here because there were some <laughs> things you had concerns with. So, and what I, were your concerns I think with the film? One of the main pieces. So, yes, I found. I feel like I'm getting a uh, middle middle aged man syndrome. Um, right. Because there were a few things uh, when I saw it um, in the cinema that that bugged me, um, just the the sheer amount of of bass and um, sort of the noise, the, the cacophony of noise that accompanied some of the Oppenheimer's sort of mental uh, visions and things really grinded. Um, I, I really struggled Did with you'll... that. Did you, I mean I, I don't know what your cinema was like, but but for those sequences, um, all of our sh- our seats shook, yes. almost like we were in a four D performance. Now you didn't like that. I actually quite like that. It, for me, it added to the experience. But you you didn't like that as much. Was that I, because you couldn't hear what's going on the screen, or was it just for you? It wasn't. It wasn't I necessary? think it was just too. It was too much, and the the problem was I just didn't feel like it was clear what was happening. Um, right. I I I felt like um, Christopher Nolan's focus on the experience went over the storytelling. So I felt right. felt like Which there was a story the that, time, that yeah. So I, there was a story that there, 
and but yet he he proceeded in showing lots of you know pictures of you know atoms and 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 uh, uh, sparkles and colors and yeah. noise and um and and I think I could have got that if it was where it, I it felt like it was in context but it was just it was just so loud I, the volume of it was so loud that it, it just right. kind of um got a bit too much um so yeah so I didn't I didn't enjoy that piece that piece of it um and and that was that did you know it did did hamper it a bit in terms of my enjoyment like later on in the film where it happens again um yeah you know, I was kind of like, oh, I'm really not enjoying that. Like, I, I've got your point. I, I see what you're trying to make. You could make that point in other ways, or you could maybe just turn it down a bit. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the first time. It's not the Nolan people way. People said that about about Nolan films, <laughs> haven't they? And, and a lot. I mean, I did. I did actually, as I walked out, and I, I, I had no problems with dialogue in this film. But as I walked out, I heard a couple of um, gents say, "Oh, I'll watch it again on DVD and with the subtitles on." So I know what they're I saying. I didn't find it hard to listen to. No, I, didn't I didn't have like hard. a tenet moment where I was like, "Am no. I meant to understand this or not?" I, I, I genuinely didn't have find any difficulty with listening to it. Um, it was just some of the some of the volume. I mean, the thing is, it was cases. There was a case where, towards the end of the film, where there's there's um, like applause and he's done his thing. Um, oh yes, and then it, it and, which quiet, was great, it? and and yeah. yeah, it goes quite and and there's like stamping and stuff. That was perfect, and that was in context, and it really had an impact. And I just I didn't feel like that was overwhelming at all. Um, but I just I just kind of. I, I just felt like some of them, particularly at the start of the film, it, it, it was it was like ramming its home, point home um, really, really, really loudly. And uh, I, I was just like, well, OK, I've got it now. <laughs> OK, so I had no problem with I had no problem with it. I quite enjoyed that. And I wonder if perhaps the differing cinemas had had different experience with that sound. I wonder if mm. maybe it was um, I mean, I, I my cinema is an Odeon multiplex. I, I really wish I had a an independent cinema near to where I live. But I don't. Um, the Odeon that I'm in, <coughs> excuse me, struggled over the over the pandemic. Um, I think Odeon, I'm not sure it's um, for all their cinemas, but they invested quite a lot of money in our local cinema mm. and made every cinema what used to be the premium seat. So all of our seats are rec- uh, mechanized right. recliners with tables. And they upgraded the um, soundproofing, they upgraded the, the speakers. So it is a, for for a non IMAX theatre, it's a very good experience. Um, and I wonder if perhaps the experience you got was just slightly different. Um, I, I saw it at Kurz, the Curzon in uh, the city. Um, right, Mayfair. And uh, no, oh, the, the city, Liverpool Street. City. So okay, it's, yeah. it's near near there. I can't remember. It's exactly, a pretty good cinema. But yeah, um, and it's yeah. it's a very good cinema. But it was yeah. a smaller cinema. Um, it wasn't an IMAX, obviously. Um, sure. But it was yeah, it was really nice and and. Um, yeah, so I do recommend the cinema. I don't think the cinema is at fault. Yeah. Um, but I do think probably the Odeon cinema, because they've they've improved the audio level and stuff, you probably got a purer experience than, than perhaps we got. Um, so anything else that you had problems with on the film? Yeah, the only other piece, and, and this is a story problem rather than anything yeah. else, is um, I felt like the... Im- so we yes, this wasn't... This was about the people, about the, the who were making the bomb. It wasn't yeah. necessarily about the bomb, but I just felt that, like um, there was a bit of lip service to the um, 
impact and and the the victims of that bomb so so the thing is they he showed it visually in his flashbacks and stuff yeah but that wasn't you know it, the horror of, it, the horror it of didn't the weapon created you exactly mean. it was really glossed over and it really um well it wasn't glossed over but it was kind of it wasn't covered the way that i would have and and i just I didn't feel as thoughtful as the rest of there were some really clever thick pieces and i just didn't feel that they'd covered covered it that in in that because because it's such a big thing it's like dropping two bombs and you know japan at the time which was basically fanatical about its it, 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 how it was proceeding yeah. with the war changed over over a couple of days and there, there's that needed a little bit more attention just so that it would have felt respectful and and, and I, I kind of felt like we it could have done more there anyway sorry you go yeah ahead. i no no you i agree with you I, I i feel like i feel like he didn't wrestle with his guilt enough um i also appreciate there's a lot to cover in this film it is known yes. as the longest longest runtime of any of his films but and they did they did address it a little bit. I mean, you can see that scene at the end with the clapping, where he suddenly realizes, "Why am I being applauded?" I'm, you know, I'm a. That's right. It's the fa- the famous quote, "I have become death, you know, destroyer of worlds," which was from um, I forgot what the book's called. It was a it was a a book that um, Jackie uh, opened up and found in his office when they were dating. Um, it's a is it an Indian or a Hindu book? Hindu religious oh, book. Oh, uh, yeah, it's from uh, sacred Hindu uh, sacred text. Yeah, uh, um, and so okay, that's it. That's the one. Yeah, so I mean, a very famous quote. I just you're right. I did. I didn't feel like he was tortured enough about it. You know, I mean, he was dealing. He was dealing with um, his shaky marriage with Kitty. Obviously, because when she discovered in the hearing about his yeah. his philandering, um, he was dealing with the kind of the clash between. The institutions of science and the military, and interestingly, if you mm-hmm. go back and listen to the soundtrack, the soundtrack has no drums in it whatsoever. Oh, so you're right. talking about the noise in the cinema. That must be the noise of the, of the, the bomb, but there were no drums in any of the soundtrack because oh. um, Nolan was very key. And it's it's it's, it's old. Um, who's the, the other? It's Ludwig. Oh, it's the this the Scandinavian guy, isn't it? Who made oh, the music? Okay. Uh, Ludwig Göransson, who I think he did the soundtrack for Arrival as well. Right. Um, they didn't want to feature any drums, as they didn't want. They wanted it to be completely kind of non-military in its sound, because obviously drums are very military yeah, sound. Yeah. Oppenheimer was not a military guy. Um, mm. You know, he was a scientist who was sort of dragged into the military and given given a, a rank, uh, which is reflected in that scene where he he's wearing the jacket and they all take the piss out of him for wearing the jacket. He takes it off. That's right. A, a military yeah. jacket. Um, so. Yeah, I, I, I'm agree with you. I, I just feel like like he wasn't he he didn't there was less soul searching in the film about about what he was potentially creating. Um, yeah, that was one of I, my concerns. My my other concern was was how they dealt with uh, Gene Tatlock. I I just don't know why Florence Pugh needed to take her clothes off for those scenes. Yeah, it wasn't necessary. It I just thought add that anything. was a little bit. It it, it, it that to me f- took. It kind of changed the tone of the film for me a little bit, which mm. was more of a historic, historical biopic. And I just didn't know why she had to take all her clothes off and flash, flash them about a bit. I mean, is that to get bums on seats? I don't know. I don't know. It was just really, it just felt totally weird. 
I don't think it was to get bums and seats. I guess was it to show that she trying... was a bit more salacious and a bit more free? Yeah, with her I guess. And, I, I guess he, the, what they were trying to do is to explain that Oppenheimer couldn't say no to her. Um, right. But you didn't have to do that visually. You could have no. done that. Yeah, you know, and and it didn't. It really didn't add anything. Um, I mean, I, I kind of he does mention like he's just like I can't say no to her, and it was like yeah. The thing is that the that how flawed that is, like it works without seeing her naked. It, it just works because yeah. it's just like you end up just going yeah, but come on, mate, you're married. It's like it's all very I mean, easy to say. Florence that, Pugh but... is an attractive young lady. They they could have done it much more uh, elegantly, I thought. And actually, in some respects, not being able to see everything but being teased with seeing something is, in some respects, you, I, would, I would personally find that more cathartic uh, as, as being Oppenheimer than yes. it all being out there being shown. Does that make sense? The forbidden yeah, fruit, yeah. almost. Yeah. Well, oh, I, mean, so I don't think it added much. anything. It wasn't no, needed. I don't think it did. Um, no. You know, you're talking about um, the, the 40s when... It was like she probably would have worn a slip. It was like, yeah. what's wrong with that? Well, I, I didn't. I just didn't. Anyway, I just. I, I think yeah. that's that was the the thing. I totally. I do agree with that. No, so I mean, on the whole, I mean, beautiful looking film, great sounding film. Apart from the uh, the uh, although not the usual honking noise of the you get an inception. There's more of a sort of the basal sort of blah, 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 in the background. There we go. Yes. I was, I was um, impressed that there was no drums, though. I didn't realise that. Yeah, because you wouldn't you go back tell. and listen to the soundtrack now. A lot, a lot of the Clever. percussive noise is made by um, the violin. Uh, a lot of the string sections do the percussion sound, which is really okay. interesting. I thought um, Kelly Murphy was brilliant. I thought Emily Blunt was uh, wonderfully understated, if that makes sense. She As was underused for the role. Yeah, it's a shame because um, she's a great I, actress. But I get, yeah. I get why because they didn't. It just didn't have time. But it was, it was uh, a shame. Yeah. I was very impressed with Robert Downey Jr. and he did a very different role to normal, uh, his, as a sort of the Salieri role. Um, I, 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 it was pleasing to see Josh Hartnett in a different role. Um, uh-huh. The last thing I seen him in was Penny Black with Eva Green, which was a great series. Um, uh-huh. There were some uh, interesting cameos. You had Kenneth Branagh, you had T- Tony Conti as Einstein. I thought were really good. Yes. Not sure what was going on with Rami Malek, but he was there as well. Although it was kind of a nice ending, with a nice little twist at the end. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a good cast. You know, there's a Kenneth Branagh in there, there's Niels Bohr as well, with a wonderful, yeah. actually really good German accent. Yes, he's he's very his good accent at that. speaking English was very authentic. Uh, I have German friends, and he he just sounded very um, yeah, believable. So yes. great cast. Okay, well, I think I mean I still recommend watching this film, despite a, few, a couple of its flaws. Um, Oh, it's a tricky one, isn't it? A three-hour film. I always find, like, especially if you're at home, where where can you find the time to set three hours aside? I'm I'm working my way through the John Wick films at the moment. I'm I'm on oh, three right. next, uh, four next, and um, wondering when I can watch it. So again, another reason to watch it in the cinema and make it an event, I guess. Um, it, it also it yeah. sets the time aside. Whereas if you're yeah. at home, often screen, you kind of screen, no, let's wait yeah. for dinner and then and then yeah. you. You start, and then you get to a point where you're like, "No, let's go and have a cup of tea," and and you just yeah. and you just end up losing part of the evening, and yeah. So I, I I definitely agree. Making it an event makes sense. So Barbie, Barbie, where should we start with Barbie? Yes. Now, um, but Barbie um, surprised me in a good way. We talked about that at the beginning of the podcast, mm-hmm. um, and I was. Um, 
I think the the enjoyment of the film was I think discovering how they're going to portray her in her world, um, and you've you've probably read this as well, Alex. What I really enjoyed about the way they um, the set design, the production was there was no CGI. And actually, mm. when my wife comes back from it tonight, I'm going to tell her that, and she's I think she's going to be surprised. Yeah, um, and that was a, that was a uh, on purpose. The um, you know they they uh, Greta Erwig wanted um, she wanted to uh, create something that was authentic because she's got I think people mm-hmm. have got to the point now where they recognise CGI. CGI is easy; people can spot it now, and in some respects, that takes it away from the film, especially as Barbie is a real thing you hold in your hand. So I was I was really interested in how they did that, and the fact that it was all you know, painted backgrounds and mechanical effects and the fact that um, the sets are um, designed so that Margot Robbie and all the other characters are about, what's the figure, 23% larger than everything actually is to kind of mimic the weirdness and the the kind of disproportionate size the actual doll was to her sets as well. Um, I thought that was a really lovely attention to detail and very clever. Um, So... Barbie, um, as as men going to see the film, did you feel a little bit weird initially going in? Were you think? Did you think uh, this is not for me when you walked into the cinema? Or were you, uh, you know, was that not a problem for you? No, I didn't find that a problem at all. Um, no. okay. I, I, it's one of those things where um, I was just I was just looking forward to some lightness. <laughs> And oh, um, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, when I went to so when I went to um, see Oppenheimer, one of the things that surprised me was how many people were dressed up for Barbie um, and, and, and in so really dressed up. Uh, so at, well, oh, not sorry, in okay, Oppenheimer, yeah. because obviously there was no. Barbie shown at the same time. So yeah, there were so many right, people yeah. who were wearing pink. Um, and I felt very underdressed in just his T-shirt and stuff. I was just like, yeah. oh, no, I feel awkward now. Um I didn't put any effort in. I should have worn uh, 40s clothes. Um, but, you know, that, that's not quite the same at 10 a.m. on a Sunday, which is when I saw Barbie. No. So that was just filled with normal people and, and uh, uh, that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, so it just I, I honestly wasn't bothered by going to see a Barbie film as a man. I, I just didn't feel like that was an issue. I, I didn't feel like that was what it was going to be about. I didn't, I wasn't prepared. Um, and I was just looking for like, light, light, some light relief. Um, and I got a lot more from that. So, so, um, well, I mean, I mean, in, interestingly, it's a film about existential crisis, mortality, self doubt. And, and who'd have thought it going in to see a film about a doll for, for girls. Interesting. You, yeah. you were saying about, about things self-conscious. My, my wife was much more, um, disinclined to watch it because it was Barbie. Oh, right. And I think because she's got really? less of a Interesting. tap on her finger on, on, on what's going on culturally in, in films, she's not that bothered about films, really. She sees a lot less than me. That It, took, mm. it didn't take... I mean, I, I, she, I, I could not convince her to go and see it until a very close friend of hers wanted to see it with her. Um, so I'm hoping that she comes back um, pleasantly surprised like we were. Um so, so Barbie, Barbie, is the central, the two central characters, Barbie and Ken, played by Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, um, a wonderful pairing. Actually, uh, it's been great watching the um, the interviews between them and how Margot Robbie yeah. is so keen for Ryan Gosling to play the role. 
Um, mm. And it, <laughs> he's Ryan Gosling's comedy is really good. I think um, <laughs> he, you know, he's been he's been very much kind of pushing the uh, the Kennedy philosophy in interviews yeah. and TV chat shows for quite a while. I did as I left the cinema look at um, trying to buy one of the uh, I am Kinuff. Um, rainbow hoodies, <laughs> yeah. beach Great. hoodies, but oh, you can only buy them in America. You can't buy them in the UK, which is a bit annoying. Um, uh, and I'm not sure how look how good I would look in a crop top jumper with my lack of a six pack. So uh, probably a, a, probably a, a, an escape, uh, uh, you know, from that. But um, he 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 actually accepted the role. Um, he saw, so he saw his daughter's Kendall lying face down in the mud, squished squished next to next to a squished lemon, um, and took a photograph of that dollar lemon, sent it to Greta Gerwig, Greta Gerwig, and said, "I shall be your Ken. His story must be told." And I think that pretty much encapsulates Ryan Gosling's tongue-in-cheek sort of humour to this. Mm. Um, and um, again, uh, not just Margot Robbie and, and uh, Ryan Gosling, but a really, really cool, a really brilliant cast here. Um, I mean, I thought America Frere was very good. She's brilliant in um, Ugly Betty and in um, the supermarket series she was in. What was it called? Uh, oh. Is it Superstore? Have you seen that? No, I've not. Uh, very worth watching. Um, there, it's it's a comedy series, a bit like um, like you know, like um, sort of twenty minute episodes with comedy humor. Oh, okay. Reminds me a bit of Community or um, Arrested Development. But or yes. you know, or the office, but the American office. So Superstore is worth watching. Um, she's oh, very good okay. in that. Um, so she's you know, she, America Fair has been been doing other things, but she's very good in this. Um, but you've got Kate McKinnon as, as the weird Barbie. She's hilarious in this. Um, yes. Uh, t- initially, the cart the cast were actually trained to walk around. They were going to have these prosthetics in their hands, which were like um, spade hands to represent the oh, doll's right. hands. So the cast were were all training to to kind of walk with that. They they, they disbanded that idea eventually, but apparently Kate McKinnon was the best at doing the spade hands. And I think you, you see a little bit of that in the <laughs> film, don't you? Where she holds herself and you know her legs are yeah. split because she's been thrown around by That's by right. the person that was playing with her. Um, Will Ferrell was Will Ferrell in this, but but that was that was nice enough. I thought that was quite funny. I, How did I you feel think... about? That bit, the the kind of the, the executives and so on, all, all that kind of the world of Barbie land and the, the human world. This story, oh, this sort of extra dimensional, multi dimensional story. So it was, it was a little forced because, it, yeah, it, and particularly the Mattel bit. I think that was that was, but it, but once you got that, it was kind of deliberately done that way. It kind of you just, uh, you just stopped stopped trying to pick holes in it because there was no point. Um, I and I do feel, I do feel very much like Will Ferrell. Being Will Ferrell, kind of yeah. set the tone for what Mattel could and could do because it's it's like everything the, the you couldn't get much depth from him because he's Will Ferrell. It's not his. Yeah, it's not his. With a slight, the slightly kind of um, overt sort of uh, tongue in cheek sexual uh, tension between him and his team as well of, of other execs who are all. Trying to brown nose him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was quite funny. I mean, fair play to Mattel. I mean, they portrayed themselves as the bad guys in their own film. You know, at least it wasn't, you know, glorifying their company as such. Yeah, they did. Um, and and then they made it work. I I I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I I I think that kind of set the tone. So when I saw that he was in the film, I was like, all right, I don't have to worry. This is going to be fine. Yeah. Um, 
but then then obviously when you start getting onto the actual subject matter and and, and stuff then i'm like oh wow that's like way deeper than than we were expecting um i mean so at, at time yeah. yeah at times it was kind of a musical as well wasn't it it wasn't, over, oh, it wasn't yeah, overly done you know but no. that was quite funny as well and and they visually were. it was you know, it worked. The, the the scenes as they were set up were, were almost a stage, weren't they? Because they were all practical effects. Yes. So having a song and dance now and then, which I haven't told my wife because she loves a musical, so she'll like it for that. She's going to having love a it. song and dance didn't feel out of place. I don't think. Um, I was quite impressed. Well, I was quite taken aback by Helen Mirren being the narrator. Did that? Did you have that that effect for you as well? Um, so she narrates the story. It was a bit weird, particularly when she comes in later on. Um, yeah, because it could, that was great. That was my favourite line of the film. It was great, but it but it was also I was also just like, hang on, oh, now I've you've distracted me now. But that was kind of the point. Um, but no, I I it's funny, but I kind of felt like having an authoritative figure as the narrator made sense, and she yeah. was just a safe pair of hands. Um, and I felt like you know, I it just felt very natural, so I didn't I didn't think too much about it. Um, but it just it's it's because of that scene at the start, um, the two thousand and one scene. I think yeah. I think it kind of it, it kind of set the tone, and I felt like well, it, we saw because that in, it was in the trailers, that, didn't we? Yes, that's right. It was in yeah. the trailers. So, um, but I do you know you do, you do kind of wonder like oh what's um why have they done this right at the start like what's the thing and then you're like oh yeah. there was no thing this was just this was just a a nice gag that sets up the film so let's just do that. Um, but yeah, so I just, I, I, there's so little to fault, um, no. the acting, um, what I was really surprised about was, um, the heart that there was a lot yeah. of heart in, in this film, um, around, you know, where this came from, you know, where, where did Barbie come from? What was the reasons for it? Um, what was it like at that time? You know what? How did it impact um, uh, girls and women in a positive way? Um, and 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 like the sort of naivety around some of that um, just kind of that came across. And then when they had um, uh, the cameo at the end, so that yeah. really there were really um, and you had Anne Roth as well. Uh, yeah. No, not Anne Roth. This it is... was Anne Roth. Yeah. Well, Anne, Anne Roth was the old lady on the bench on the beach. She's a fa- she... very famous fashion designer of her time. But um... she was she was meant to be she was playing um, uh, the person who created Barbie. That was although who she, was to be. she was was she. Yeah, I think that was who she was meant to be playing. On the bench, because uh, I know, because I, I know that um, oh, very famous actress Rhea Perlman, mm-hmm. in the old lady in the in the room that when Margot Robbie when Barbie runs through that room at Mattel, and that's meant right, to be yeah. Barbara Handler. Oh, the, the, uh, it was meant to be her. Was it meant to be her, her daughter? I can't quite remember. But um, possibly, yeah. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to look, look it up again. But um, but it just it it just really touched. It touched me about the the fondness that had had come out of that, um, and yeah. and it's what was nice was how that was weaved into the story. So it wasn't it wasn't placed. It didn't feel out of place, um, and because it, it it became integral to you know 
why she was important for being her rather than anything else. I, I think that was that was um, that was really really powerful. Um, yeah. So because, I, I love because, that. I love that moment because because she she says you know Barbie was came out of her own her own desires to be this perfect yes. woman that she can never be. Um, and I, I just find the whole the whole the whole central concept fan this fantasy world, mm. but how it kind of as you say it holds up a, a magnifying glass to how um, women have been treated since the fifties up until now, and how there's mm. a, a, a a tide turning, you know the Me Too movement, but at the end of the film, rather than the women taking over again. There was a bit more because um, obviously in the Barbie world, all the Barbies have the, the main roles. They're the doctors, they're the uh, prime minister, the presidents. You know, they're the nurses. Mm-hmm. They're the all the main characters, all the main figures. Whereas the men are kind yeah. of like um, sidekicks and don't come That's home right. to stay and so on. Um, Ken gets upset with, when he realizes in the real world that the patriarchy is in power. He brings it back, and they have barbecues and and like Ken dens and Ken lairs and so on. Um, but at the end of the film. There's there's a appreciation from Barbie that that it was too one sided when they were in power and there was a lot more compromise and I thought that was a really optimistic forward thinking kind of approach which I really liked. So, so it was, however, um, there wasn't a case at the end where they said like, "Come on, Ken, let come and come and come and join us," you know. Yeah, it, it, it took. It was one of those things. It's like, yay, we've we've won, we've won up back from from uh, the Kens, and yeah. um, I kind of felt like it would have been kinder to 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 show a kind of more conciliatory tone. So there was that, but it was it was just mentioned. It wasn't really shown through the actions, and I always yeah. I always wondered, like you know, um, I just wondered, like, where did the Kens live? Like where did they? Where were they? And I yeah. kind of was expecting. I was expecting at some uh, at one moment to find this underground lair where, which is like in the sewers or something, which is where the Kens <laughs> went at the end of the day because they didn't have a space in the Barbie houses. Um, so I've kind of had this in my head, and 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 I was just like, okay, um, clearly that's yeah. not how it worked. But um, but but I was like, you know, it would have because I think one of the challenges is it's really easy to paint things as all one way or all another way. So it's very easy. Yeah, exactly. Pink, isn't it really? And it just, I I don't feel it's, it's that, that case. I think things have moved a long way. Um, Is there more, you know, for them to further for them to go? Yeah, absolutely. And I totally, totally appreciate that. But I, I, I felt like that, that piece wasn't really mentioned. It was kind of could just lost over. Could this film have been made even 10 years ago? I mean, it was It was first... Uh, the idea first came around in 2009, so maybe 10 years ago. But mm. let's just say turn of the century, 2000s, this film probably couldn't be made, could it? It just there wouldn't have been... It wouldn't have been optioned by, by the, the Hollywood producers at the time, I don't think. Possibly. I, I just... Yeah, I mean, you're possibly right. I, but I, I think it's one of those things that maybe the time... The fact that this this has been made shows that things have moved on on, on a lot yeah. further than they could, um, uh, and obviously the the whole point around um, Ken bringing the the patriarchy back to to, to Barbie Land is is like to show the extreme, not to show reality. 
it's yeah. meant to be extreme. Um, it's an allegory, though, I love, it really? Yeah, completely. Um, yeah. I loved Mojo Dojo Casa House. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say earlier on Ken's Den. What an idiot. That's say it again? Ken's Den. Say it again. Mojo Dojo Casa House, which obviously <laughs> means house, 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 house. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but, um, showing Ken's but general thought, intelligence, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was hilarious. Um, I, I, and, and it, he was such his his particular character was so much fun, um, you know it, you couldn't take what 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 he he was doing seriously, and I think that was the best part about um, this. And and ultimately he has to go on a journey like Barbie does, um, but but I, I you know I, this isn't his film. Does <laughs> that make sense? No. So it's okay. Yeah. It's okay that he that he doesn't. Uh, all of this isn't reconciled. It's fine. It's just. Um, and I just, oh, it was so funny to watch. And the dance-off, oh, my God, the dance-off. Yeah, it's very good. Um, yeah, so, think, yeah, so uh, I when, think, go on. When Simu Liu came in, who got, you know, he was uh, Shang-Chi, wasn't yes. he? When he yes, came in right. and they were doing a lot of the auditioning and working out, because he, he's so acrobatic, um, he was doing lots of backflips and things for this sort of dance-off when they were sort of practising it. And Greta, Greta Going noticed this, that Ryan Gosling's reaction to, to sort of Simu Liu's, like, genius dancing kind of he was a little bit like he was jokey jealous and a jokey and, and that's where she developed in the storyline the rivalry between um i think he's meant to be is he is he asian ken I can't, well, there's, there's a there's a whole he, i have to look at the, the, the list he um, is uh tourist ken tourist ken that's right he's tourist ken uh, <laughs> and and, um, and obviously uh ryan gosling's beach ken Beach Ken, because what do you do? I I I I I, I do beach. beach. <laughs> I beach. <laughs> uh, I beach. Um, so that so so that that rivalry story like came up because of a, a jokey rivalry during dance off rehearsals. And I, I love that whole, right. that whole idea. Let's go through some of the Kens. I think that'd be quite good funny. I mean, um, I was looking at the cast list and some of the Kens names. When you um, you've got the different Barbies. You've got President Barbie, Writer Barbie, Physicist Barbie, Doctor Barbie. Um, and then Ken's, you've got Tourist Ken, which is Simu Liu. You've got um, Basketball Ken, that's Kingsley Benadir, who was in Secret Invasion recently as well. Mm. Uh, you've got Artist Ken, played by Nakuti Gatwa. You've got, um, I think that's all the Kens there. Then you've got a few oh, more Barbies. But we've got more Barbies, more Kens. But the Kens yeah. that were kind of the ones that were discontinued were quite funny, weren't they as well? Oh, yeah. So there were a few, there were a few Kens in Weird Barbie's house. Um I mean, you've got Merman Ken in the sea with Dua Lipa, who's played by John Cena. That was a nice little oh, cameo. I thought it was hilarious. It just cracked um, me up. Yeah. Um, it, John I'm trying to Rob find... Bryden was Sugar yeah. Daddy Ken. Sugar uh, Daddy Ken. That, that's literally the name. Uh, we had uh, Tom Stoughton, who's an English actor. Um, ear, oh, he's ma- the ear in Magic Ken. Yeah. Yeah, that was just gay Ken. Yeah. Because it was picked up, Earring Ken was picked up by the LGBT um, plus, uh, Q plus um, kind of uh, following and became a big popular doll amongst um, right. a lot of, a lot of the, the, queer, the queer movement. And I don't think Mattel liked that very much, so just discontinued it. Um, yes. Which is sad, really, isn't it? And again, a sign of the times at the time. Um, <laughs> and then you've got um, um, Michael Sirius' character, Alan. Who right. I, I see I don't oh, know yes. much about them. Oh, he was, he was Alan, a real he was a real he? Yes. he was a real Ken well, Ken a model too. He was actually Midge's yeah. husband in the toy line. That's so right. Mid, yeah. yeah, Midge 
So he, and again with Midge, who played pregnant Barbie, she had yeah. problems on sale in that when the box art was made, there was no sign of Alan, who'd married her in, in, in law. Um, and so there were outcries about teenage pregnancy and single mum pregnancy. So they had to remake the box with Alan in the background and the um, the silver wedding ring on her finger had to be painted mm-hmm. thicker so it was more obvious. I mean, just right. what a funny, silly, prudy world we live in that people thought that, you know. But That's I thought he was it. brilliant. And, and I love that kind of uh, parallel with um, with his uh, his film. Um, so at the end of the film, he helps Barbie escape. Well, he helps Barbie and, and her owners get back into Barbieland, doesn't he? That's right. He and does, he, yeah. he has to confront um, all the Kens um uh, on the road as they're building the, the road signs and things for the for the for the Keniverse. Yeah. And I love the fact that he kind of suddenly became like this Kung Fu expert and could take him all out. <laughs> which uh, it feels kind of like um a parallel with um that kind of film based on the comic. I'm trying to remember what the film the Edgar Wright film, what was it called? Um it's gonna, it's gonna bug me until I find out now. Um, oh, I'll look it up. Um, and, and I thought that the, 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 again the, the plot line of him he was a, a weird character wasn't he really as such yeah. Scott Pilgrim versus the world that was it because um, oh, in Scott yes. Pilgrim near the end of that his boss battle and he's suddenly really good and I thought this, the storyline felt very similar for him for that character I wonder if he was cast because yeah. of that I don't know I, who knows it, it, the thing is I, I wondered whether some of this would be more like the Lego movie in that there were people who were performing the the, the things so when they were fighting it was yeah you know someone was doing play fighting so it didn't matter oh i see sense. yeah 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 um, yeah that makes so sense. i thought i thought that was going to be a little bit uh, there was going to be a little bit of that not oh you really mean them all like the humans in the background you mean yeah yeah like i kind of expected parallel or like when you when you're when you're um if you're playing with a barbie and then it's like oh you're going to do a flying kick and you just like like swing the leg all the like ninety degrees. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, I was expecting things like that to be happening. Well, they, they hinted at that, didn't they, with with Barbie floating down between floors because because there were never stairs made for the Barbie That's dream, right, dream yeah. house. So the kids. It was just hinted, but it never really, yeah. never really went as far as Lego maybe did, yeah, where it well, was actually people doing it. I, I wonder um, if scenes like that got cut from the film, perhaps for length. I don't know. Possibly. I um, yeah. there were what I loved to so say there was a few things that you just like. What was funny is that it was willing to laugh at itself at yeah. some of its its things, and and so you had things like uh, growing up Skipper, whose whose boobs literally grew, um, yeah. And and I just oh, yes. found the thing is, you think to yourself, oh, that's a joke, right? And you're like, no, no, that that's actually true. That actually that's happened. exactly what happened. I remember that. And, I remember a bar, a, a doll where you pump up its boobs. Was it that? Yeah. Must be that doll. Um. Goodness Possibly, me. I'm not sure. Um, but but yeah, we're talking about the same doll. <laughs> Possibly, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, but the oh, thing hold is, on. I was, oh, I was... Hold on, what, 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 what was that? <laughs> Bobby's not here, we can't make those sort of jokes. <laughs> no, that's very true. Um, but um, but yeah, but, uh, but the thing is, what was really nice is that it, it was aware of these things and it, yeah. it celebrated them, even though that it, it could see the, the flaws in them. Um, and it was little things like, you know, um, at the end you saw the real boxes and and like real designs for some of yeah. the uh, old Barbies, um, and so it really showed like there was a lot of love for what uh, the past of Barbie. Yeah. Um, 
even though bits of it were flawed and and didn't you know weren't perfect obviously it's just a toy you know at the end of the day but it, it just kind of what was nice was it was kind of it gave nods to those things and it didn't didn't hide them it didn't uh, white whitewash them or anything it didn't do anything mm. it was like no this was what we tried <laughs> and 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 then we got rid of it and i thought the i thought the ending where where barbie went and lived with the humans was a lovely, a lovely kind of ending to the film, and the fact that the yeah. that, um, Gloria and her, and her husband, who is the actor who plays her husband, is her real life husband in in real life anyway, mm-hmm. which is quite nice. Mm-hmm. They took her. The last scene was her taking her to a gynecologist, which I thought was hilarious. Yes, like that's just like the real world scenario there from Barbie. Like Barbie would not know anything about that because they talk about them not having genitals at the beginning of the film, don't they? No, that's they true. Have a bump. Yeah. Uh, and so that was quite interesting that she's obviously changing as well. I thought that was just a really interesting little sort of nod at the end. No, I think mm. um, of the two films, I enjoyed both. I think I came out more satisfied uh, about what I'd seen from Barbie, which is really interesting, isn't it? Yes, agreed. I I, I'm, I completely agree. I I was surprised at his depth. Um, yeah. And 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 I didn't I didn't at the end of it. I I was thinking. You know, do I have to have a justice for Ken moment where I'm like, you know, Ken deserves a role too? Um, and I was like, nah, he's fine. He can he can deal with it. It's, it's okay. Like it didn't. It I mean, didn't I feel know like he was robbed. Yeah. There, there are there are people who there are a lot of men uh, who do not like this film. Um, a lot of them are outraged about it who haven't even seen it, which is you know standard. I think I, I said this before. If if you're offended by this film, I think you need to. I can say. Take a look at yourself more than anything else, because it's this. It if you can't see what's going on in the world around you, and uh, and even a film about a plastic doll that highlights this, you can't understand that. Then I think you really need to take a long, hard look at yourself, because it's such a beautiful, friendly, joyful, as you say, film that's honest about what's going on, and that's and that that monologue that America Ferrera does about how women have been treated in history. That for me was the, mm. the, the kind of the apex moment of the film because it was so oh, it, was, it was so so true and so to the core of what's going on and I thought well done for a film about about toy dolls that can bring this out that other films can't you know it, it was really powerful it was great it yeah. was a great um, line I I think one of the things that you have to look at is you have to look at the director and then you have to say okay well what have they done. And then when you look at Greta Gerwig's roles, uh, sorry, her films that she's done, I think she's done she, Lady Bird. You, you kind of, quite, quite, yeah, yeah, she did Lady Bird. Um, and White it's noise. like once you you have a look at that and you see the the content yeah. and the fact that it is talking about some of this stuff, um, I think it puts it into more of a perspective. Yeah. Um, and and I think you know, I mean, it's 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 amazing because the next one she's going to be doing is Snow White. So God knows what that's going to be, <laughs> but um, yeah, wow. I think I think the reality is it will probably be exactly as Disney Modern, tell it, tell her to be. Um, right, but, yeah, that's true. But 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 I do think but I do think that like you know following on from uh, Lady Bird and Little Women, for example, it's like yeah, of course it's going to be celebrating women. That's what you expect when you get Greta Gerwig in to do your film. Um, and it's also what you really expect of a Barbie film to an extent, because yeah. why wouldn't you? So I don't, I don't, uh, the the kind of oh no, um, I, I you know I feel persecuted as a man bit. I'm like actually, it's okay to feel a bit awkward about it at points 
because so you should it just hi- so you should. highlights yeah it just highlights yeah. that actually there's some elements that are unequal in in society and we should think about that and and but it's not a, a personal attack it's not it's not no. it's not like you you are the, per, the the fault of this it's just gets you thinking about that and that's not what I expected from a Barbie movie and, that is and not that's what, what makes it what makes the film art yes it's a work of art yes. because of that because it makes you think yeah it it really did it ticked the box it ticked the box of um it's not just a film about barbie which is 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 a really high bar really if you think about yeah. you know, the content you could have think you know she could have had very little to work with i i very i mean this is a good point to stop here i think but i i yeah. would like to say i very much hope they do not make a sequel i think that it, it, the film in itself as it is is so perfect and rounded off that I don't think they need to make a sequel. But looking at how much money it's made, who knows? But um, so maybe I, uh, Greta yeah. Gerwig will be brought in for other other projects if she's this sort of bankable. But I really hope they don't make a, a sequel. Okay, let's um, do the usual housekeeping. So um, you can find uh, Alex on Masterton at alexhansford at twit.social. You can find me. Uh, at John PR Evans at mstdn.social. Uh, if you want to listen to the podcast in your uh, web browser, we're at playpawsturn.show. It's always a pleasure talking to you, Alex. Uh, thank you so much for joining me again on the podcast. Thank you, John. Um, I am I am swanning off for a couple of weeks on holiday, but um, we'll see what happens over the next few weeks. Um, this has been Play Pause Turn, and thank you for listening.